What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, and I got another fantastic episode here for you. I'm broadcasting to you live from the Last American Vagabond Studios here in historic Franklin, Tennessee, and I uh, got one of my favorite people in the whole world on the, on the episode tonight. So we're going to get into all kinds of awesome, amazing, crazy stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so before we do, just let me give you guys like a couple ways to follow and support the show. Um, so as you know, if you head over to rebunk.news, that's going to be the main spot where you're going to be able to find all the links for the show. So what I recommend doing is going to rebunk.news. There'll be a pop-up that pops up that you can sign up for the email list. So do that. Make sure that you can get uh, notifications about all the stuff going on. Uh, the top, there'll be the link to the t-shirt shop. So let's check that out real quick. T-shirt shop. So rebunk.news forward slash shirts. We got the logo. This, let's see. You got uh, compliance is violence. Can't depopulate an idea. We are many. They are few. I see false flags. Several other designs brought to you by Big Frog T-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon, who are listeners of the show. Um, so they're by supporting, you know, by getting a T-shirt, you're supporting this show and a local liberty-minded T-shirt shop. It's fantastic. So uh, you'll see all the platforms we're on. We're streaming live to Rockfin and Rumble. Um, and uh, these get uploaded later to uh, these various other platforms, Odyssey, BitChute, and uh, Bandot Video with help from Content Safe, Matthew Raymer, Raymer over at Content Safe. So if you guys need any help, if you're a content creator and you want to get your shows out to multiple platforms uh, after you upload it to one platform to make your life so much easier, go to contentsafe.co or give me a holler and I'll put you in touch directly with Matthew. Um, just go ahead and take a minute and subscribe on your podcast players. If you're on Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, um, subscribe to the show and then a five-star review goes a long ways. goes a long ways to help the show. And then uh, premium content is over on Subscribestar. And again, just five bucks a month helps keep the show afloat. And uh, there'll be premium episodes dropping on there. And then Telegram, t.me forward slash rebunked pod is the best way to uh, stay up to date with the show. And then there's some value for value donation offers at the bottom of the website, rebunked.news. And uh, so that's pretty much it, except for uh, TruthTRS. TruthTRS.com is a heavy metal detox spray. Fantastic um helps eliminate all the heavy metals that have accumulated in your body and just flushes them out um, i've been using it for a while and it's just like a fantastic product um, another thing i like to point out too is if you scroll down to the bottom here and you order through this link to become a distributor link you also can get your own little back end login so that you can become a trs distributor as well and i can't tell you how uh how awesome that is so anyway guys that's pretty much it for the for the promotional stuff and what i want to do is bring in my good friend the legendary T. Snyder. T. what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, dude. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. So, T. is from ConspiracySynergy.com. You guys, and in the episode description, I pretty much laid it all out there. I said, like, man, I just love what you do, dude. Like, I can't think of anybody that does it the way you do it, man. Like, like you just, uh, you got so much panache. You have so much, like, you bring so much and light, leave it all on the playing field, as they say, man. So, tell me a little bit about Conspiracy Synergy. Uh, sure. Well, thanks for the the kind words. Uh, my show. So I'm an artist, and I've been studying corruption and conspiracy for about 15 years now, and uh, I've been observing the alternative media for that full period of time, watching it evolve from one kind of place to the next, uh, seeing it evolve from certain kind of infighting to what is more of a cohesive and fully realized entity right now. And I was trying to think of a way in which I could use my artistic skills in order to be able to create something that 
made the community feel welcoming and also giving people not a one-stop shop, but a very quick point of introduction to these very broad themes. And then also giving them all the references that they can dive into so that they have access to some of the people that I think are the best in the alternative uh, media. And also just getting kind of a lay of the land before they jump into the rabbit hole, because that can be pretty disorienting if you're just getting introduced and you want to know that you're not alone and that you got friends and it's a welcoming and rewarding environment. And that a lot of this stuff, as much as we don't have it all figured out, we also have a lot of it figured out already. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a good way to get people up to speed on the basics. And most of all, it can be used as an outreach tool for our friends and family who, after all of this COVID-1984 business, may finally start to be waking up to just how corrupt everything is. So that's a little bit about my show, Conspiracy Synergy. Right on, yeah. And ConspiracySynergy.com, like I love the layout, the rabbit hole, the rabbit theme. So you guys, like here's all the different uh, links. You know, if you go to click on the episodes, you're on episode, you just released episode seven. So you hit me up and said, uh, dude, I just came out with a new episode. Check it out. And I watch it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like just up to up to up to your tricks man like i got a clip here that i want to preview and show the folks real quick because sure. uh um i think like just i can't i can't speak highly enough about it dude like you're editing like we were talking before man your editing skills because I've, I've like as i've started doing the show or just started podcasting in general i've kind of had to force myself to learn you know like adobe premiere and just like and we talked about it a lot last time you were on like just the world of editing and all the tips and tricks. And it's like, as I'm watching your episodes, I can't even wrap my mind around how you do some of this stuff. Like it's just so next level. So I just wanted, I, I found a little clip from your most recent episode. That's kind of gives a good primer and uh, just kind of showcases your, your talent. So let's just roll that real quick. and We'll be right back. All right, guys. So this is from episode seven of conspiracy synergy, normally outreach. So to briefly encapsulate what we've learned on this show thus far, Nepotistic psychopathic a-holes rule the world through vast networks of secret societies, using corporations that we all work for to make us their unknowing slaves. Here we are on the surface, like pawns on a chessboard, and underneath us are secret societies manipulating us through our beliefs and behaviors, which we largely adopted from what was being advertised to us. And so... Given that that's the situation we're in, to save the world, we the interwebs will endeavor to enlighten the normies of this world, and thus save the day from the corrupt and immoral parts that we ourselves have learned to play. That's ultimately the only real way to change the situation we're all in. We ourselves need to change our positions. Wow, dude. So there it is, folks. Like... Geez, like, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying now? So, dude, just congratulations for another masterpiece. Um, so, now, these episodes, as they're going along, are you, are you, do you have, like, a continuum that they, that they follow? Yeah. No, I have it all figured out insofar as, like, it's going to be 12 episodes overall. I'm going to need to do a third part for the COVID episode to be able to branch outside of the framework of contemporary thought when it comes to disease and medicine. But so, too, do I have an overarching sort of uh, thematic thrust that I'm trying to get across to the viewer, which is in its final culmination, the plan to save the world. Because that's what we all want right now is like, how do we save the world? And it's just reminders about how to empower everyone in their own unique way so that they can see it clearly for what it is and not have it seem something that's like, let's say, a Disney movie or some wishy-washy oversimplification. But if you give people intricate visual representations for equally intricate 
actual references, then you're able to get their cognitive representation of something on par with the complexity of what's actually going on. And right now we're so reliant on like Hollywood versions of things or simple versions that we've been told by the media that there's almost always a discrepancy between how we picture things and what the actual reality is. So as the complexity of what I'm bringing to the artistic medium gears up, it becomes on par with like our conception that sort of liberates us from stagnation. And so it's like all these little things that I'm trying to figure out in a cumulative build along the way, but it takes it's going to take me another two and a half to three years to be able to pull that all off because it is such a tightly controlled narrative product. It isn't just about a podcast. It's not just about the information. It's about how that information feels. And oh my God, that's difficult to do because there are so many landmines out there and we're all so tightly loaded and we're ready to blow up about everything. So that's, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I, I love that, dude. And like we were talking before too, which I feel like is useful to discuss. You know, it's like we live in a society that is just... Uh, you know, if the information isn't packaged in a pretty little package and it's not delivered, you know, and it's like special delivery, then people are just not interested. You know, you yeah. know, one of the like like what I was the example I use, like for my for this show, like as you can see, everybody watching, you know, there's like a certain style that I've chosen to present this show in that's kind of maybe like a little more like like TV news style. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of based it off. I was looking at other podcasts. I'm like, mm, yeah, I kind of like a need a little more official look to it. Whereas like with Truthzilla, it was like three of us sitting around a kitchen table, you know. So this has like a little more polished feel to it, I guess. I don't know. But I felt like that was important because I agree 100 percent with you, like that's the society we live in. People aren't willing to like be receptive to things that aren't presented in this nice, neat little package. Like what are your thoughts on all that? So it's even the, um, it's an experiment that they did. I don't think it's not a laboratory one, but, uh, it's basically, they had the world's top violinist in a subway station playing the most difficult thing you could ever play on a violin. And it's like a 60 or $80,000 instrument that he's using. And over the full period of time when he's doing it, like one or two people stop to even give half of a moment's glance to the fact that this dude is doing this thing. And everyone else just continues about their way. Where at the same time, if that dude were in a, a concert and they were selling tickets for a few hundred dollars, people would be shoulder to shoulder trying to get in. So, so much of how we perceive things and what we think of as having value at all is inextricably tied to our perception of how we've been sort of brainwashed by advertising. If it's not advertised and we don't recognize what it's worth. And so that's one of those things where, unfortunately, that kind of applies to all of us now, even if we're, you know, kind of pseudo liberated from that, it still has an effect and that's powerful. So, yeah, very yeah. much going oh, on. I, I agree. And you, and you kind of touch on that in your most recent episode, too. It's like the, 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 the idea being that our reality is just like a series of constructs, right? You know, that are yeah. like layered on top of one or the other. Yeah. And a lot of times to like mask, uh, certain things like you talk about, like, you know, when you dress up, like when you like whatever outfits we wear, that's what, how, we'll, what we project on the world, you know, and that can be weaponized and used against us. Like obviously yeah. the person in the, in the freaking, uh, you know, in the, the out medical outfit, like with a stethoscope around their neck, they're going to project a certain, uh, authority, right? The old mill back to the Milgram experiment type stuff. So, so, but our reality is literally just this construct of like, and it's so easily easy to manipulate our feelings and emotions with that sort of stuff. And a lot of times it's hiding what's underneath the true reality, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly right. I like the way you put that. And that's, that's true. Totally. Same page. It's so crazy, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And and so when you awake to that, like, on, on, I have this idea, like, I want to do this like band on the street thing where I just get like, you know, like a, like a, like a, uh, God, what do you even call them? Like the, the white, the uh, medical suit, like I'm blanking on the name. Like, you know, Great I'm just jacket. doing that on the 
No, 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 no. It's like the like the doctors, the doctors white uh lab coat, lab coat, lab coat. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking of lab coat. Yeah, doing like a man on the street thing with like a lab coat, you know what I mean? Like like just sort of getting people's takes on that, you know, or just like I don't know. I don't know. So so anyway, man. So um so another thing you allude to as well is the idea that uh and, and you talk about this in a lot of your other previous episodes too, is just the idea of the the controlling um you know the hidden hand right the hidden hand yeah. different uh different paradigms that, that 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 have like influence in our world and uh that maybe a lot of people aren't just awake to and so i think you, you listed three of them in in this particular episode and so we talked about last time you're on truthzilla and i feel like it's worth mentioning because like there's, there's a lot of people that are talking about it right now in the media you hear like jay dyer like richard grove like the old anglo-american establishment like this is something that's that's very that i've, I've kind of looked into myself like i'm trudging my way through the audiobook version of tragedy and hope you know what i mean still i think i was maybe the last time we talked still yeah. so I'm like, i have to take breaks every now and then but like I'm, I'm getting there i'm getting there but tell us like what what in your words is this anglo-american establishment so Anglo-American establishment is the terminology that Quigley used to describe what is the uh, contemporary vestiges of what started off as the um, passing of Cecil Rhodes and his last will and testament, which then went on to uh, Milner, who founded the Milner Group and then used that uh, to facilitate the emergence of the First World War, the conscripting of uh, the president of Woodrow Wilson in order to, uh, in conjunction with those events, bring about the Federal Reserve Act. And so it's kind of just like this concerted agenda behind the scenes in order to see the entire world come under the hub or of control of the British Empire. And that goes back to the great game, which is built around the notion that the divine right of kings allows them to reign supreme over the species at large, and then uh, through any means that they deem fit, go about commandeering the species or their citizens to play with as pawns in that great game. And so that's gone through a lot of different kind of steps of evolution and emergence over the course of its history. And then that ultimately paves the way for the round table, which is uh, what used to be under the same name, but different organizations represented that name. And in the contemporary, it's more of like a convergence of the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome, United Nations, uh, Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations, all this kind of stuff. And so in the contemporary, it's different than how it came about, but it's still the same underlying premise, which is trying to consolidate everything under a one world kind of control structure via one name or another. And the other two kind of branches or arteries of those kind of like deep-seated historical vestiges of secret society, they're not separate from one another. They have to work in tandem. Otherwise, they're kind of stepping on each other's foot and tripping one another up all the time. So the other two primary vestiges of historical corruption and secret societies that I allude to is that of the Vatican Bank and using uh, the superficial veil of religion as a way of getting away with deep-seated corruption. And then the third is Zionism and its various different manifestations and forms over the course of history. And then also that includes Freemasonry within that. And then there are all different kinds of crazy things going on with the Jesuits and uh, Bohemian Grove and Bilderberg and all these other different kind of working groups that are used by ideologies that we're largely unaware of behind the scenes that we have a a tendency to try and point a finger at as if it's a singular entity when really it's more of just like this convergent just mess of uh once again ideological underpinnings that uh use us on the surface at their discretion so it's it's ridiculously complicated and it's been going on for a very long time and it's a mess but that's how things actually work 
Yeah. I mean, and so like, yeah, dude, it's, there's so much in there. Like, yeah, it's so, it's so difficult to understand. Yeah, for sure. But like, just what little time we have here, you know, like, like let's unpack some of this stuff. So like the Vatican, like the Vatican. Okay. That's another, that's another big one that we, we talk about a lot in our little circles. Right. But, uh, what would you say is their main controlling interest? Like what is the men's, the main role that the Vatican plays in this whole paradigm? Cause like right now we're hearing like world economic forum, right? It's like world economic forum, like all these, like, you know, technology big tech companies you know what i mean but like like how, and the vatican just kind of like you know we know they're shady as shit but like what what would you say is their like hand of the role that they're playing currently and what we're seeing playing out in the world right now so in the same way in which i described the evolution of the anglo-american establishment as having a very different point of origin versus where it's arrived at in the contemporary the same is true if you follow like the forensic history of the emergence of the vatican and its various different kind of holdings and how it used to be the pa the papal states and uh like the what was it the uh funding for the uh sistine chapel a significant portion of that was brought in through something called indulgences and indulgences were when the pope would basically give you a freebie for whatever your sins are so there's always been like this kind of infrastructure for the elite or those who are in a position of power to feel as if they're able to buy their way out of accountability and so all of these different secret societies are in essence hinged upon that underlying precipice it's a subversion of what is let's say, in accordance with objective truth on behalf of the way in which they would rather see things or rather feel their way forward. And then that consolidates in the form of corruption over and over again. So specifically, if you look at the Vatican, like what happened after the Second World War is that they got tied into Operation Gladio. What Operation Gladio was, was the funding of stay behind units because war never really ended. It didn't end between the First uh, World War and the Second World War, and it didn't end between the Second World War and everything that we've seen since. And so it's the paranoia of the people who were trying to like make sure that they stay on top and maintain supremacy in the post-Second World War environment. So the Vatican got together with communism, and the it's it's kind of like a very sordid interaction. They they had some justification for doing this and some not, but they tried to set up stay behind units that they'd be funding using drug money. So they do things like uh, ship heroin to the United States in wax oranges, and then they'd fund the destruction internal certain communities in the United States, uh, bring about the drug war on purpose, and then have that go back to do acts of terrorism internally within a variety of different places in order to um, basically seed particular dispositions of the people that they oversee. And that's what the greatest thread that ties all these various different secret societies and their emergence over the course of history together are. It's really, really, really horrific, evil things that are done under an ostensible label so that when we look at it, we think, oh no, there's no way for that kind of depravity to be, to be going on. But at the exact same time, if you look at the actual statistics for the number of people who were in that church who were committing pedophilia, it was 10%. So one in 10 of them, and that's how bad it gets. And it's yeah. able to get that bad because we only ever look at it on a surface level. And then we don't understand it's very different emergences and all of these kind of things that it consumes into a conglomerate organization that is so profoundly corrupt it's all but impossible to wrap your head around until you study it and most people just don't have the time for that so that's kind of just alluding to some of the the intricacies of what emerged over the course of the vatican uh in the past and then if you want to i mean you could watch like the godfather the third one they kind of talk about it, how you graduate out of like the sicilian mafia and then when you're big time 
you're working in corporate America. That's sort of how this yeah. works. So it's the evolution of crime. Evolution of crime. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just so interesting. Like so much of all of this is like an inversion, right? There's, you see yeah. the inversion everywhere. And it's like, what they tell you is like this, like the, the Pope is supposedly like the, the, the connection to God, right? He's the one that talk, that's talking to God, right? And you need to get all of your religion and spirituality through him directly. When in fact, it's like the completely opposite. Like, dude, he's like, it's all just like, Oh, it's so disgusting. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, are there any good resources? So one of the things that you talk about in, in your videos are just uh, like, you're always doing like these quick snapshots of like books, like books yeah. and resources that people can go and turn to, to learn more about this stuff. Like what are some, like we talked about tragedy and hope, right? What are some other really good books that you would suggest people go dig out to get more information about, uh, the Vatican? Cause like, yeah, it's like quickly, quickly does great work on the Anglo-American establishment, but the Vatican, what, what would be some of your references for that? I like the Vatican Exposed and Operation Gladio and God's Bankers. And uh, there are a lot of different ones that go into the Vatican a little bit more because uh, that's kind of like at this point, uh, unequivocally corrupt. Like you could kind of just look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that's really bad. But even then in like what I talk about, I don't really talk about the Jesuits or like the idea of the Black Pope or all of these other kind of things. When, when you start to look into how long these things have been in power and how good they've gotten at hiding how that power structure actually works mm -hmm. so if you if you go into them and that's kind of what i mean they're not separate from one another uh, yeah. so if you understand the role of freemasonry internally within italy you understand that that's hand in hand with the Vatican, and then that's hand in hand with, with other things that are going on all over the world and so it's yeah it's just um it's a nightmare it's, i understand why most people avoid it yeah yeah you hear it a lot of people say too, like the Jesuits are like the top of the pyramid. Do you feel like there's a distinction between the Jesuits and the Catholic Church or the Vatican? So a lot of this, when you get into it, is the fifth column of in infiltration of various different ideologies. And that's when you become what you wish to destroy from the inside. And there's so much of that going on that it's very difficult to differentiate and delineate between the organizations and the fifth column infiltration of those organizations to destroy any credibility that they have whatsoever. Uh, so it's one of those things where I, the metaphor that I continually use to describe what's going on is that there's a variety of different predators that aren't necessarily all in it together, but they very much do want to maintain a predatory environment that they're able to repeatedly return to and get their fill. And yeah, it's, it's kind of works like that. That's the best description I can use for it because these are sort of just working groups. You'll have people go from one to another, to another, to another. It doesn't mean that they actually believe all of those things that they're a part of, but they understand how to best maintain the environment that is predatory so that they can get their fill. And they're all kind of like that. Some of them genuinely are aligned with particular belief structures. And that's why people will point to the Jesuits because they're some of the most hardcore and subversive but even then, if you do a particular level of trying to figure out who's exactly on the top of it, you can't even really do it. It's it's all but impossible on a certain threshold. And that's because eventually you come to the realization that whatever that thing is, and this is uh, about semantics of language, it's not even human. So it's either like something that's a demon. It's either an artificial intelligence that they created that they're listening to. It's something that's interdimensional. It's something that is a force at the core of nature that is illustrative of corruption and evil. It's any number of different things. But past a certain point, these aren't even really people anymore. They're more aligning themselves with something beyond ourselves. And it's sort of like this succubus sinkhole entity that collectively emerges amongst them.
And that's what we see over and over again as a species is we lend ourselves to these various predatory exploitative systems that we then get so wrapped up in that we get sucked down with them. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, one of the one of my favorite things, have you seen uh, like the Fritz Springmeyer lectures? Have you seen his like uh, lectures? I haven't like read Bloodlines of the Illuminati or or yeah. seen him speak on it, but I'm, I'm familiar with the dude. Yeah, he's he's got some really cool stuff. I mean, then one of the illustrations though that really stood out to me is he's got he's got he he describes like there's like the circles, like the outer circle, like the intermediate circle, and then like the inner circle, right? And so that's yeah. and then if you take that and you cut it like a slice of pie, right, and you take the slice of pie out, then that's like the pyramid. And so you see like the power structures on each one. So you have like your you know your one group over here, like the the Vatican pyramid and then you've got like the 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 freemasonic pyramid right and 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 each one of them represents like a slice of the pie but when they're assembled together the inner circle at the top is kind of all representative of the same kind of entity or force or or power structure all kind of seeping down into each one of these different uh groups you know what i'm saying like so it's like so that was always a representation that kind of stood out to me so that's yeah that's a good way of visualizing it yeah yeah, for sure. Okay. So now let's, let's, just, let's get into this a little bit here and then, and, you know, whatever you want to say, whatever we want to do, but like you, so you talk about the third rail now, right? The Zionism piece. And yeah. that, so, so what are your, what's your take on that? It's a freaking nightmare beyond the night. Like that's one of the worst ones to get into. And the right. reason is because it's impossible to talk about with, without automatically the tripwire of anti-Semitism automatically sure. springing forward. And it's like, that's why in the the new episode that I have, I immediately qualify that the Vatican is not illustrative of Christ and Zionism is not illustrative of the Jewish people. The way that Absolutely. it's worked historically is that it's a very small subset of extremists who are, in essence, using the Jewish people on the whole in order to subvert what is in their best interest on behalf of a destructive religious fanaticism that sees basically everyone and everything as expendable as long as it brings about a particular end, which was the creation of Israel and the ultimate moving forward from that point to try and facilitate what looks like the emergence of a third world war in order to see everything consolidated under the, the vested interests of a select few. Now, at the exact same time as that going on, that's basically the same thing that's happening in the other like channels of secret societies as well. They're all trying to do the same thing but they're all using slightly different branding in order to go about doing it. So you can simplify the entire thing that's going on with Zionism very easily and just say, it's people who want to lie to you to make you do things that aren't ultimately in the best interest of all of humanity because they are utterly fixated on a particular ideological leaning that is misrepresented on the surface and is much more nefarious the deeper you dig. And it's always been like that. So my responsibility insofar as broaching that realm of intrigue is literally just to allude to uh, like, so the book that I use in the episode is The Controversy of Zion by uh, Douglas Reed. And it does a very good job of diving into the forensic history. But in the contemporary, the issue need be spearheaded by the Jewish people themselves more than anyone else. It's like, I can't go out there and really talk about this in a studious kind of theologian kind of way, but they can. And it's very difficult for them to do that, because if you look at the environment that sprung out in the whole COVID-1984 thing internally within Israel, it's some of the most Nazi-like shit that we've seen happen. So look what they're willing to do to their own people, the cultural environment that they've created and continuing to oppress Palestine and the West Bank. How are people who openly advocate for racism simultaneously going to be able to step back from that and realize that it's erasing them? 
You know, that's what we're seeing. It's the erasure of our own humanity for these deeply seated ideological dispositions that worship destruction on behalf of whatever it is they're trying to incarnate other than us actually getting along with one another as people. So it's a deeply sorted and convoluted mess that's very difficult to get into because the second that you do it, everybody flies off. And that's me at the same time avoiding a lot of the the detailed citation of things that just are not as simple as they've been presented in history. And so anyone who wants to really understand that better, I'd recommend uh, Controversy Zion by, uh, by Douglas Reed. It goes into it a lot. That's awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. Wow, what a great way to characterize it, man. Like that's that's perfect, dude. Like I appreciate it. And it's like you know, that's it's the trap. You know, when we were talking a little bit yeah. before about what to talk about, like it's just interesting that, you know, it's the trap itself yeah. that's like kind of a red flag in the whole thing. And it's like, okay, well, what? Like, why can't we talk about this? Like, whenever they tell us we can't talk about a topic, like that's the topic I want to talk about. Like, that's the conspiracy yeah. in me. But at the same time, it's like, okay, what is the meaning behind that? Right? Like, why can't I talk about Sandy Hook? Like, why can't I talk about Columbine, but not? Sandy Hook, like Charlie Robinson yeah. just made that point in his uh, most recent episode. Yeah. Talking, it's like, it's like, okay, I could talk about this one over here all day long, which is like the same thing. But over here, the second I talk about this one thing, then it's like the internet loses its mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually a perfect, uh, those two examples are illustrative of a lot of the, uh, <sighs> things are more complicated in history than the simple versions that were told by the TV. We don't like admitting that when we've, created a particular emotional reaction that leads us to see things one way and then if that's challenged it feels as if it hurts us and because we're hurt we aren't willing to really look into it and it's built that way by design and they've they've mastered it over time to make that happen over and over and over again and that's why it's really really painful to get into it because you start to dissect things like the holocaust and you start to look at like the actual statistics that were present at any given time and automatically me saying that people are like oh are you are you justifying hitler and he's like no dude he was a crazy meth addict like psychopath who was uh, pure evil and also he was a puppet being used by other people it was all of those things at the exact same time so it's it's the simplicity of the stories that were told that we then insist upon and we don't allow it to unfold is the complexity of what's really going on. Mm. And that's why it's it's a great way to trap us in the box of feeling like it's too painful to to push out of the barbed wired parameter that that we've been encouraged to spend our entire lives confined within. Yeah. Amen to that, man. Right on. Cool. Well, so yeah, switching gears a little bit. So here's here's something that I've been like pondering lately. And and that you're I've been wanting to like bring it up like in an episode and then like your episode, this particular episode of conspiracy synergy is literally the topic that I've been kind of like racking my brain about. And I I've, I've referred to it. I think I've talked about it a little bit on the show, but the idea of the, the off ramp from the mainstream, it's just like, okay, like, like right now we have so many people that are in the mainstream that are, you know, maybe they're getting a nugget over here. They're seeing something in their real, in, in real life that is not consistent with what they are being told. Right. You know, whether it's like a, they're experiencing like some sort of adverse reaction to the vaccine, or they've got like, they, they voted for Biden, they're hardcore Biden supporters. And they're just seeing like, everything's just cascading into this horrible, like descent into God knows what. And they're like, maybe some, something just clicked in their head. They're like, well, what the heck dude? Like maybe I'm being lied to. And so now they're going to seek information elsewhere. But, uh, you know, and for me, it's like the off ramp, I would say, at least for me, like looking back at my off ramp, like I was like, I was like starting to wake up to this stuff or maybe just like starting to ask questions. And then I was looking in the alternative media and my first stop in the alternative media scene was like Joe Rogan. I feel like that's maybe like most people they're like, okay, look, maybe take 
one half step outside the mainstream. Maybe there's like a Joe Rogan or a Russell Brand. But the thing I'm I'm trying to think of is like, how do we like off ramp people to conspiracy synergy, dude? How do we get that like you know the, the, like that's like yeah. several exits down. Like they gotta like take several exits to get to like your show or even my show, Rebunk News, dude. Like takes you know several more exits off of the mainstream like how do we expedite that do you have any thoughts around that yeah so that entire thing is why i created my show is because that's yeah. what we basically all need to do we need to show people the best off-ramp to be able to get to some of the basics to then get people up to speed on that before it's too late so i've created the show which is the uh well crafted rapper in order to allow people to feel excited about unwrapping the facts of the matter and i've done that deliberately because so much of what we respond to is the way in which something is presented and that's what people are waiting for ultimately they feel as if there's supposed to be a particular presentation that accompanies the truth and until they get that feeling that oh that's the presentation that does it for them they're just going to turn a blind eye over and over again so the very thing that you're alluding to is what I've created my show to do. It's like yeah, totally. at, at this point, it's literally just getting other people to understand that some of these shows have been created as a gateway to the rabbit hole. And then that in turn draws attention to the work that everyone else is doing. And that's kind of like a trailer to a movie. That's that's sort of what I've done with my show. It's like, okay, here's a, a trailer to a movement, the truth community. And oh, yeah. so it's, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm like, how can I get people to watch this and to know that it exists? And I think really it is just going out there and talking about it with people like you on podcasts and ha letting the listening audience know that this is designed as an outreach tool for your friend and family. The ones who are completely buried in the sand, they, they might not be able to listen, but the ones who are just starting to kind of like begin to understand this stuff, it's, it's great for them. Yeah. It's, it's tough though. I mean, dude, yeah, you hit it the nail on the head. Like the, you're, you're, and then like, you know, when we first talked, like when we first, you first reached out to me, you're like, Hey, I just made this episode. I featured you guys in it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was so cool. And then it seemed like that's what you were trying to do is like that in that particular episode, at least it was like, uh, here's a preview of all these other like alternative voices out there. You guys, like there's so much more out there than your little, what you got going on. And so, you know, so yeah, but it's like, for me, like kind of part of the frustration is, you know, I've been relegated to these alternative platforms where, you know, it's like, it's like preaching to the choir. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even bother with YouTube anymore. In fact, I did stream a few episodes to YouTube just to test the waters. Of course, I got a strike. So I'm on a two week ban right now. So it's like, I can't, I just, it's so frustrated dealing, dealing with these like mainstream platforms. And so, you know, this show goes out to pretty much everybody that's already there. You know what I mean? Um, I just, you know, I, I just don't know how to like reach over, reach over to the, the alternative audiences or people that are like, still in the mainstream like that's the big i guess that's the ultimate conundrum i guess there's no easy answer to that but just the uh, reaching across the aisle or just reaching out and trying to like hey guys over here over here like how do we get their attention yeah. even come to our show in the first place you know i think what's happened there because i agree with you and we're all going through the exact same thing and it's frustrating and insufferable because all we want to do is get people the relevant information to be able yeah. to help them at the end of the day so that they can make the most informed decisions that they're able to in an in in an astroturfed environment, uh, which is the creation of fake synthetic everything that most people have come to build upon and then rely upon, and then they don't want to feel the sense of betrayal that it was wasn't actually as worthwhile as their investment was. So it's a nightmare the climate that we're in. I what I personally do is I sit uh, 
over by the legislature grounds because I'm up here in Canada with a mm. six foot sign that I've had made with a bunch of bullet points that talk about uh, medical dictatorship information. And I sit there with cards that I hand out for my show and I do that solo for about four or five hours or six hours a week. And I think one of the things that we've done is because we have these mass dissemination platforms that are readily available to us all the time is that we've forgotten the power of simply having a conversation with another person. Mm. And we think that we need a movement in order to make moves, but it doesn't really work that way. It's really if you have it in your heart to be able to go out and meet your neighbors and not do it in an indoctrinative or propagandized manner wherein you try and bludgeon them with the truth, but simply allow the suggestion to emerge. And that's something that we're seeing less and less of because it's chock full of so much emotional animosity that we feel the weight of it anytime that we try and make those connections. But if we aren't willing to try, we're going to continue to find ourselves kind of just like cornered into echo chambers and alternative platforms where we don't necessarily have the outreach. And at the exact same time, in addition to all that going on, there's the other side of it, which is that the people who are most deeply entrenched within these very fraudulent and corrupt systems, they're starting to wake up because they're being poisoned. Uh, when I was out doing that six foot sign thing that I was talking about a couple weeks ago, dude came up to me and he was saying, it's like, I like just started waking this up, up to this stuff a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh yeah, how did that happen? And he lifted up his shirt and he had a bunch of different bandages all over his stomach because what had happened to him is after his third shot, he got some abnormal growths off of his liver. And so they had to go in and operate in order to be able to remove that. And only then after his life was in peril because of his poor decision making, was he able to glimpse beyond his superficial assumptions that it couldn't possibly be that corrupt. So until people either feel that sense of betrayal or they feel their life on the line, most of these people are never going to have that realization in their state of mind that the state is not their friend. It has been there to instate within them an indoctrination that has seen them turn against their fellow man. And that's a tough pill to swallow, let alone to live with after you do. And that's why it's so important for us to create that warm and amicable environment of outreach to one another that doesn't make people feel ashamed to admit that they were lied to, that they were wrong, because ultimately it's us up against the CIA and we don't really stand a chance unless we're willing to represent for the truth and for one another. And so that's what it oh. takes. Hard okay. road, long, long journey. Dude, I, I love this. I want to get I want to get more into this. So this is this is perfect. Like talk about normie outreach, like actually being there. And I was talking a minute ago about man on the street stuff. I've done a little bit of man on the street stuff, but like I feel like there's that, that's so important to be out there. And you know, a lot of these outlets or organizations and um, you know, their man on the street stuff is designed and to be sensational and to like almost like like it would be like me going to like, you know, a freaking like uh I don't know, like a freaking I don't know, pride parade or something and causing ruckus just to get like, you know, something, something to like, you know, put out there and go viral or something like, Oh, look at how crazy these people are. That sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But where, where's the stuff of us like doing like actual outreach and you don't even need yeah. to film it necessarily. But yeah. so here, here's what I'm thinking. Like, so, all right. So tell me about this sign. Did you make it yourself? Did you have it yeah. printed professionally? Like what, what? Yeah. So I'm an artist that's just using some of my artwork and, um, I put it together uh, and then to just have it printed through Vistaprint. You can get very easy, professionally made signs that way. I have another one that's a, I think it's a 12 foot banner of uh, another artwork that I did that I had behind me in the winter when I was sitting on a red beanbag chair, wearing a rabbit suit, handing out individually uh, rolled scrolls for people. 
And that's the thing where I'm sitting in a rabbit suit, smiling at strangers to get them to come over and they'll do it. They'll laugh about it because if you're playful in the way in which you re reach out to people, they're more receptive. If you're playing with people, then they feel disrespected. So it yeah. really is about your perspective and genuinely caring about other people who are in a vulnerable position right now. Because I mean, you have to stop and think as frustrated as we are with people who don't want to wake up to the truth. Imagine how they feel. Everything that they know to be true is a lie. And that's that's like having your clothes ripped off in public. You know, even if it happens to you, you just want to play it cool. You, you don't want to feel the fool. And so much of how we have been entrained because of compulsory school is to always feel like a fool unless you pretend to know the right answer and just guess on the multiple choice. But life doesn't work like that. And we got to stop allowing ourselves to be corralled in those corners because the longer we stay there, the more we're going to be locked behind closed doors. And, yeah. and it's one of those things where we got to find the courage to love even in times this hard. I agree, man. I agree. I mean, that's what's going to get us through this for sure. You know, there's obviously that that propensity to like want to like lash out or be like, oh, you guys treated me so poorly, so I'm going to treat you poorly. But, you know, I think, you know, yeah, there's a lot of truth to, you know, kind of my, my philosophy on that has been like, I maybe don't want like some of those folks like in my inner circle type of thing. Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But like, and, and I'm talking about it in terms of, like, well, I won't even get too far into it, but like, like I'm on these stupid like dating apps, you know what I mean? Like, and like, you know, if I come across a gal that's like, it says vaccinated on the profile and I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm just like, I just don't want that in my inner circle. You know, I'm just, I'm sorry, but, but, but I'll treat you with love and compassion in other contexts. How about that? Right. But anyway, but back to your sign, dude, like, okay. So some of the things that come to mind and some of like, to me, like some of the best activism in that, that in that regard that comes to mind is like, you know, the architects and engineers for nine 11 truth. I remember they had that famous, billboard that said like did you know a third tower fell on 9-11 like that sort of thing and then like learn the risk learn the risk.org that's kind of what their claim to fame is is making these gigantic billboards throughout the country that are talking about like you know vaccines you know like like the dangers of vaccines which is just unheard of but your sign like what what uh do, do you said you have like bullet points on there what kind of bullet points are you presenting on there Oh, yeah. So it's just little things like 78% of the people who were admitted to ICU uh, with COVID uh, had uh, either obesity or significant stress-related illness, and uh, nearly all of them had uh, significant comorbidities. I think it started at about 2.5, and it eventually became four and a half each. Uh, and so it's also, I'll talk about uh, asymptomatic spread being a lie and a variety of other things, the illegitimacy of the PCR test, uh, yeah. that none of the measures that have been taken uh, are legal, that about 97% of the people who died uh, from ventilators, that was medical malpractice. It wasn't something that needed to be done. It was everyone being misled. I mean, you can look at the third leading cause in 2016 was medical error in the United States. So these are not systems that are competent, that are there to save you. They are incompetent and they are hiding behind PR in order to save themselves. And so it's one of those things where you can try and go through a variety of these different points and kind of like a step-by-step -step matter. But the problem with bullet points is that to those who aren't familiar with these realities, it feels like taking a bullet. So mm. it's one of those things, even in stating the truth plainly and cleanly, it feels like you're lacerating an artery. So it's very, very difficult, even for me, to go out there and speak the truth and represent what's happening because based on the affinity of those who are receiving me, it might not be something they're even willing to perceive. So they'll sort of just like recognize it in their periphery and then keep going about their way. And that's one of the most heartbreaking things is the people who you can look, turn away from this kind of thing and say, I wonder how many more years until they take a, a shot designed to kill them thinking that it's, it's the grace of God come to save them. So it's, it's tough, but yeah. yeah.
Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about this on the show too. Like, it's the idea that the, the parallels here are just uncanny between this and like addiction and recovery. The idea, of like, you know, someone's not going to change their mind or decide to do anything different until they hit a very significant rock bottom that shatters their whole whole world view. And what we say is like, you know, until the pain exceeds whatever fear it is that you're holding on to, the pain until the pain of doing something different exceeds the fear of doing that different thing, then, then you're not going to do anything about it. So the pain has to exceed your fear in order to do something different. Right. And so it's a lot like this too. Like, like people are in like immediately when presented with this information, it's a fear response and it's like a retreat response and it's an anger response. Absolutely. You know, and it's the same thing with addiction. Like if I, if I like confronting somebody in active addiction or back when I was in active addiction, like someone confronted me about it, it's like, no dude, like I'm going to react with fear, anger, lash out, until I personally hit a spot where I decided to change myself. Right. It became that bad. And so, and so it's the same thing that we're seeing here, you know? And so again, you know, bringing in recovery philosophy into this, it's like, you know, the best we can do though, is plant the seed, plant the seed. Sure. That's, that's a huge thing. Like plant the seed and letting people know that maybe there's an alternative and that seed, you don't, you don't always like necessarily see the fruits of that seed that you planted, but it's there. You know, yeah. it's, it's there even in their subconscious. And so that's important work to be doing as well. You know, overall, what, what would you say is the, uh, the average response? Like you, you talked about, you had one guy breakthrough, but what would you say is like kind of a, a normal, uh, a normal day? For the most part, people are in Canada pathologically polite. They are, I'll say it frankly, for the most part, they're cowards, but they're cowards in a way in which they think that they're doing what the moral cor and correct thing is which is to be subservient and to listen to experts and to do as they're told. And it's a kind of like a residual outcome of colonialism. And also at the exact same time, I'll put it this way, people are very superstitious about things they don't understand. And most people do not understand this. They feel as if they understand it because they've been lied to because of a corporate press release. But insofar as actually traversing the sordid intricacies of how corrupt all this actually is they don't understand it at all so they just don't want anything suggested to them that could implant or impregnate in their imagination something that would make them feel stress or fear so for the most part people are just superstitious and they don't want anything that could elicit that within them anywhere near them so they're just like oh yeah no not going to look at that just going to keep on mm -hmm. walking past when I was in the rabbit suit, it made it easier to try and entice them a little bit, but that doesn't necessarily get it all the way of them watching what I've handed them to watch. So like you said, it's about planting those seeds. And the more people there are out there with the more reminders that this isn't just one simple version of the story that's put out by corporate America, it's actually much more complicated than that. The more people see that, the more they're reminded of it, the more they realize that that applies to them. And then eventually the kind of like, old adage of advertising is that someone has to see something seven or more times before they'll recognize it or, yeah. or buy it. It's the same thing with the truth. So be out there talking about it, give people visual, visual representations of it, understand exactly like you said, you might not see the fruits of that seed, but it's about planting it the more that we're able to do that in a kind, conscientious and compassionate and forgiving way, the more in which people will come to see the light. Yeah, totally. And you, the connection kind of broke up there a second ago, but you said rabbit suit, right? Oh yeah, okay. no, I've, I've done this. It's on my Twitter. It's uh, I know. I I remember. I've seen. Yeah. Dude, I remember like when this whole like thing like this was a couple years ago, a few years ago when this first started, and I remember you seeing like like you were doing mailers too, weren't you? Like doing yeah. just like mass mailers in the rabbit yeah. suit. And I was like, oh, this guy's badass. This guy's amazing. yeah. No, in Canada, 
it's not illegal to put things in other people's mailboxes. Obviously, some things okay. it would be. But for me, I was just doing print materials and going around in a rabbit suit to try and make it fun for people. Uh, they liked seeing me in the suit. They didn't like seeing what I was handing out. But that's one okay. of those things where uh, some people have the courage to view things in the privacy of their own home that they might not necessarily feel compelled to acknowledge if they're just out in the world. And so people are just ridiculously sensitive and and disoriented and really embarrassed and in some ways ashamed and at the same time covering for that with pride. So it's it's a very, very difficult unraveling of what's really going on in the midst of this much chaos and betrayal. So I, I feel for people. It's really hard. Totally. Totally. So doing this and doing this, like, do you, what is your favorite interaction that you've had? Like the, your favorite instance of, uh, whether connecting with somebody or just like a cool, like synchronicity or something, what was, what's been your favorite interaction doing this so far? Well, when I'm sitting by the sign, I'm able to have thorough and engaging conversations with people. And one of the things that very quickly comes across is that I actually know what I'm talking about and I'm able to articulate it in a cogent and concise manner that's specifically to the point that they have been in search of. I'm not some fringe fanatic who's alluding to uh, some uh, with just the Illuminati or triangles are coming to get us or whatever, because you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. It, it's like it's a Taco Bell commercial. No, it's more complicated than that. And once people understand that there is actually... Um, the forensic uh, history that applies to the contemporary, they're more receptive to the idea that they may have been lied to for longer than they realized before. That said, my favorite kind of uh, sort of back and forth of just banter, because I, I like that a lot and I find that it's lacking in this world, was when I was in the rabbit suit and I walked up and there was a woman sitting on her porch who was smoking a cigarette uh, and I'm and uh, she looked up and saw me in the rabbit suit and kind of smiled and I handed her the scroll. I'm like, uh, this is, I bet this is the weirdest thing that's happened to you this week. And she's uh, like, well, today maybe. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, watch this later. And I, I turn around to walk around and she's like, will you be back for Easter? And I'm like, no, nah, that's a different guy. You know, and then I just keep walking on, giving my scrolls out. So that one was a funny little back and forth. Oh, dude, that's so great. Ah, I just love it so much. Do you have any footage of you out in the suit doing any of this? No. no? So this is one of, the, one of the things that I find has happened with the Internet. We're recording everything. And, yeah. you know, part, sometimes that's cool and it's important and everything. But I don't want to be out there with a camera in people's face or make them feel like they have that pressure on them. Because a lot of people are really sensitive to that. And as much as it might help me, like, get repeats on Twitter or something, I'm not about that. I'm literally just trying to reach out to the people who are in a position where they don't feel like anyone's going to reach out to them. And if more of us were taking the individual time to make those connections within our community, then those people who we make those connections to in our community would themselves be incentivized to go out and make more connections. Because here's the really important thing to understand about the truth. It doesn't just set you free. It sets you to work freeing. So we, in our setting other people free, will then be set to work free because they'll understand that, holy crap, this is actually a slow motion genocide in the Third World War being fought by alternative means. And the more in which we actually understand what that really means and what the repercussions of that actually are, the more in which we're able to pull back the veil that has kept us from seeing what's actually going on for so long. And in that, we can liberate ourselves as human beings. And that's important. Yeah. That applies Absolutely. to everyone. Absolutely. And, and so, like, yeah, I think everybody that does a show or everybody that has a show or a platform or anything... You know, if they're being true to, you know, the the, the kind of ethos of this whole alternative media scene, it's it's about reaching people. It's about yeah. connecting and, and about distributing this information, disseminating it, getting it in the hands of people that are seeking it, you know. And so I think that's a big, like what we do here, you know, having these interviews and putting these shows out on our, these platforms, like that's like the broad brush, like getting as many people as possible. But 
it's 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 like quantity over quality. And so actually, if you're out there like having one-on-one interactions, like some of those, like I can attest to that. Some of those are the most meaningful interactions that you have, you know. What about like um, and so so it's almost like gosh, it's like where like where is the effort most applicable? Like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Like, I think that that's huge. What about like meetups? Do you do do you do you are you involved with like any meetups or anything like that? So there's a rally that's hosted adjacent to where I sit by myself doing the individual outreach that I do. And so I'll, I'll kind of like talk to all the various different people who are associated with that. Um, I haven't done a tremendous amount of meetups because I do, uh, I'm a very reclusive hermetic individual who does okay. a lot of study and then time spent inside creating the tools that people who are more social can then go out there and use. So each of us have the things that we're best at, and it is really important to put our best foot forward. If you don't feel really, really capable, competent in one way, you can approach it another way. You can go out there and put vaccine facts on cookies and just give out cookies. Maybe people aren't going to want them, but it's it's the idea of taking whatever your personal individual skill set is and then modifying that to be able to reach out to other people. Um, because otherwise we all look at everything the same way and then we all go out and do it the same way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's our best forward at the end of the day. So it's, it's one of those things where finding your stride, it's okay if that takes time, but just yeah. keep at it and keep trying. And, and yeah. with that, you'll grow confidence and abilities, and you might even make some friends along the way. And those are the things that everyone's looking for because it feels like it's so lonely. Why even bother trying? Well, go out there and try, and that'll matter to someone in a way that you never would have imagined just tapping on a screen. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. And yes, everybody using their own special gifts, you know, to, to, in their own special way, man. I, I love that dude. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, like I found myself like actually like one of my things that I didn't even realize I had was like organizing meetups and stuff, which is crazy. So like, I've, I've been like done, done a whole bunch of those lately. I'm going to, now I didn't organize this, but I was invited to a flat earth meetup this, this Sunday. And so it's like, I'm still kind of wrapping my mind around even what the arguments are around flat earth. But, but to me, I'm like, I just want to go hang out with those people. Like, I don't even care. Those are my people, dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even care. <laughs> I hear you. The funny thing about me sitting by my son is that every single week I'll get a different kind of religious denomination or extremist kind of uh, thought process trying to tell me exactly what I need to think or what I need to believe in any number yeah. of different ways. And after they realize that that's not really going to work on me because I've done my homework, the, then they can kind of come down to just hanging out as people. So if you're able to get past the point where they're trying to indoctrinate you, then, then yeah, they're usually pretty cool. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, these, these, these are my people, man. I don't even know. So, uh, so I want to get your take on this. So, so, you know, we have this new developing story happening in the world right now. So the George Guidestones, like this, this yeah. pillar, like you know pun intended this pillar of like esoteric like it like represents so much of what it is that we're up against in the world right for for better or for worse right it's just like this is this is the blueprints of the eugenicist uh game depopulation game plan right it's symbolic and it just got blown up as most people probably know if you didn't know the, the georgia guidestone just got blown up what are your thoughts on that what's your take on that do you have any quick takes like gut feeling about what this represents i don't know i mean i think it's interesting that it happened i always thought it was interesting that they existed and that they were being incrementally defiled or uh let's say uh, vandalized even though i wouldn't describe defiling and vandalizing those things as vandalism i'd say it's more destroying something that is uh not exactly a good omen for this earth so you can look at that as uh potentially it was motivated by an individual who just wanted it destroyed 
potentially it was motivated by a group of individuals potentially it was an inside uh kind of like gesture as if to signify something more important than it actually is or maybe it's just illustrative of them changing the plan because if they want us as slaves they might not be so compelled to try and depopulate us as they are to try and have the machines that they're breeding live inside of us you know so that could be something where maybe it's actually a victory stroke or maybe it's illustrative of them trying to tweak the language and the symbolism and the themes that they had previously adopted so often in a way that's conducive to a slightly different direction but more or less the same ends which is enslavement and yeah. so it could be any any number of different things i don't know who did it i don't know what their motivation was uh maybe there was like some sort of back flipping uh, bigfoot who farted really loud and the entire thing just came up i could be anything but yeah yeah yeah, I feel you, man. Like, like it's interesting. So, like, I know maybe I haven't really looked into it today. Maybe there's some more information uh, come out about it. But, like, I saw yesterday, last night, they were released some, like, footage of the actual explosion itself, right? And, uh, which is crazy. So, but then they weren't releasing, like, okay, so if they, if they have 24-hour surveillance on it, like, wouldn't they have video of the person running up and planting the bomb or whatever the case may be? But they're not releasing that, which is interesting. Like, okay, maybe it's because it's an ongoing investigation. But at the same time, that's kind of curious. It's like, what, like, a lot of this stuff, and it reminds me too. So here in Nashville on Christmas Day, I think it was 2020, wasn't it? There was this bomb that went off at this uh, AT&T building, right? And do you remember that? It was like a like an RV that pulled up, and then there was like the whole like announcement saying like, if you if you can hear this, please clear the area. That was like a very suspicious thing, and the bomb went off. And it's so crazy now that I'm in Nashville and I've seen the AT&T building. It's like the biggest building in the whole city. It's huge, dude. It looks like Batman's helmet. It's like this. It looks like Batman's helmet. It's such a trip. But I remember the narrative around there was like, oh, he's a crazy conspiracy theorist, right? He was just a crazy conspiracy theorist. And I was like, oh, well, that's what it's going to be. They're going to they're gonna try and construct a narrative around the idea of like demonizing conspiracy theorists, right? And so that was kind of like my initial thinking too, is like they blew this thing up on their own to, as a false flag to kind of demonize conspiracy theorists, right? Kind of the crack, the crackdown, right? And I've... I've talked about various different situations where they can like, you know, get everything that they want to achieve. They can achieve everything they want to achieve just by pulling off like one crazy little false flag event just to blame on the conspiracy theorists. Right. And they can achieve like martial law, full lockdown, complete total control. You know, they could uh, eliminate Biden too, if they wanted to, and that would take care of all of their, all of their things. Right. Like, like, like get that guy out of the way and then blame the conspiracy theorists, you know, that sort of thing. It's just like, I don't know, man, it's kind of, kind of alarming, but, I don't know. Well, they they usually try and stay hidden because if they're too obvious about it, um, they they screw it up for themselves later on. But at the exact same time, uh, that depends which faction you're dealing with. I suppose specifically referring to the Nashville incident. I remember before that happened, I already knew that there was going to be something on Christmas because mm -hmm. it had to do with the momentum of trauma. If you allow it to kind of like secede you know like to to scale it down too much then people actually start figuring out what's going on so you have to keep them in this perpetually traumatized state it has to be a new thing oh, yeah. and if if it's starting to thin then it has to be a new shiny thing that's going to kill them in a particular way so once you kind of study how they need a particular like flow of pain almost in a way 
you you can kind of just like look at it and if if you want to get really deep into it you can look at the occult calendar and the particular dates when more of these things happen and then you're more just like oh yeah no they're going to need some sort of ritualistic flux in order to be able to keep the momentum of that kind of trauma going so that people don't actually start to get wise to the the system that's bleeding them for that very same trauma it's really sick like once you start to study like machiavellian and what it is they're doing to us it's torture. There's a German word for it. I don't remember the word, but it's um, getting pleasure out of someone else's pain. Mm -hmm. That's foundationally what this is. So when you understand that it's like their dopamine is hooked up to our nightmares, you start to think and be like, oh, everything seems to be going very well lately. You'd be like, oh, well, they're going to need a new dopamine hit pretty quick. So yeah, that was my whole yeah. sense of the Nashville thing when that went down. Yeah, it's a trip, dude. It's a trip. You know, back to like what you just mentioned there, there's a really good book again by Fritz Springmeier, probably one of his unknown books, like not Bloodlines of the Illuminati, but he does have a yeah. book and it might interest you, dude, because it's it's a great book. You can get a PDF version of it and it's like the most harrowing book I've ever read, dude. It's so crazy. It's called literally this is the title of the book, The Illuminati Formula Formula Used to Create a Total Undetectable Mind Control Slave. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's great. And it because like his his claim to fame, like he was actually working with you know, SRA survivors, satanic, satanic ritual abuse survivors, and like, like mind control survivors. And he was helping like deprogram them. And so he was able to work with a lot of like actual people that were doing the programming too, and like learned all their tricks and secrets. And it's just like this crazy book, dude, it's intense, but it like the trauma aspect is just very much, you know, a part of that, uh, part of their, their formula, part of their formula yeah. from the, from, from like before people are even born, you know, it's all about causing that trauma like even people when people are still in the womb like all the way up through your entire life just constant state of trauma dude like it's yeah. so crazy yeah it's surreal when you get into the inversion principle and how that's applied within the the family unit of people who are born into this and then how it's uh habitually and ritualistically entrained in them um project monarch style uh kind of and how bad that can get the I, like i've heard certain um testimony from people who have been through that and they'll make contentions about the portion of the population that's firsthand uh, entwined with it or experiencing it and they'll they'll say things all the way up to like 15 or 20 percent and I'm, I'm skeptical of that but in a peripheral way it wouldn't surprise me in the least but at the exact same time this very much is a real thing when you start to look into uh, dark luciferianism and the various different ideological dispositional leanings that use this to create lifelong slaves of their own children and then also yeah. use them as currency and so there is a lot of really indescribably messed up things that go so far beyond the realm of what people conceive of as possible that to even try and broach the subject let alone delve into it is equally as impossible so it's it's one of those things where it's happening how prevalent it is i don't know but at the exact same time, if you look at the number of kids who go missing annually, I I, can't, I haven't verified this statistic yet, but it's something like 450,000 annually internally within the U.S. alone. And it's like you start to tiptoe up to these things and it's like looking at the Franklin cover up. You can look at the Utah mm -hmm. scandals that are emerging right now. Um like the the statistic I mentioned earlier, the the prevalence of uh, pedophilia internally within um, the the Roman Catholic Church, this is we're seeing more money made off of human trafficking across the Mexican border than we are from drugs. And so it's off the charts awful. And it's very difficult to be able to speak openly about that when it gets that bad. It's like 
I struggle with it and I do this full time. So I can relate with people. It's just like, oh my God, it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're delving into this dark era. We're del- but also at the same time, it's like this reciprocal, like inversely proportionate response to where it's just like this mass awakening happening at the same exact time. Right. And I feel yeah. like, we're- go ahead. Can go I ahead. interject with that? Because I completely agree. And here's the metaphor that I used to speak to it. We're a seed that's starting to open. Think about it this way. When you're in that seed, you're in Plato's cave. It's nothing but the darkness. Yeah. You have that infinite light within you, but it feels as if you have to break through one, which you do. You have to be able to get out of that husk, which has constrained you. And then you're literally growing through shit all around you. So you break out of this impossible thing to break out of, and then you're surrounded by shit. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. And so you have to start reaching towards the light using your intuition to be able to do it. And if there's a rock in the way, too bad. You're going to have to figure out a way to grow around it. As much as everything sucks already, you have to do that additional effort. And only then are you able to break through and to see the light. And then you start to get people stepping on you and there's rain coming down. So it's not like it's easy, but if it feels like it's really, really shitty, you're a seed that's breaking out of what you used to identify as your reality in order to become a different form altogether. And that can feel very, very trying until you keep trying and then you're able to see the light. Wow, dude. That's the best thing I've ever heard, man. The analogy of this, the, the, like, like a tree. I'm picturing like a tree. Yeah. Like you get this horrible journey up through the dirt and the rocks and weaving around and I doing this work I'm doing now, like being out outdoors. I got to see some amazing trees doing amazing things, man. Like I just saw one yesterday where like it was all grown, but like it was right next to a Creek and the soil had eroded to the point where it was just like all the roots underneath. And it's only hanging on by a couple of roots on this side, this gigantic tree. I'm like, how's that tree even holding on? It's just got like two little, well, two pretty significant, you know, roots that are holding up the whole thing and the whole bottom of it's just completely eroded away. I'm just like, man, that tree is just hanging on, dude. You know what I mean? It's just like, and so it grew its whole life and now it's still just hanging on. It's like, that's a beautiful analogy, man. The idea of like a, a plant growing, that's our journey out of the, the muck and the lies and the propaganda into this light that's emerging. And I feel like as a society, as humanity, we're going to get there, man. We're going to get there. Like, they, like they can't just keep this going on forever, man. And it's like, it's so, it's all constructed on lies and deception and it goes against nature and reality itself. And reality's fighting back, man. Reality is pushing back to the point where, you know, it's just not sustainable at all, not sustainable yeah. at all. And so we just have to endure, right? We're going to emerge. Yeah, it is, uh, it yeah. is unfortunately a war of attrition, but it's also a war of nutrition. And we got to mm. make sure that we get the, the right things holistically into ourselves. And you can take that literally. You can take that spiritually. You can take it whatever you want to take it as entertainment, uh, the things that we apply our focus on, because that's one of the greatest traps that they've set for us. So I completely agree with you, but it's like it's it's omnipresent uh, warfare, you know, and it's really yeah. difficult to do that because it's all connected. And so it's um, it's a very tough time, but at the same time, I agree with you. And to, to pick up on your tree metaphor, one of the beautiful things that trees do is that they funnel nutrients to one another. Mm. And so a tree like that, you could potentially have other trees wrapping their roots around its roots to be able to keep it afoot. Or if it falls down and its, its trunk structure is still there, they'll funnel nutrients through uh, the underground network that they have in order to be able to keep it alive so that they can keep their friend around. And that's something that you have the power to do, whatever your special guest is, is to be able to give a little bit of energy and a little bit of nutrients to people in need so that the whole forest doesn't get wiped out. Wow, dude. So well said. All right, man. Well, geez, tell us how we can follow and support you, man. Yeah. So I'm, I, my name's Tease. Uh, it's T-E-A-C-E. 
I'm an artist. I've created the show Conspiracy Synergy, which is at conspiracysynergy.com. It's on uh, the usuals, Rockfin, Rumble, uh, Odyssey, BitChute, and Internet Archive. I don't post to YouTube because that's a censorship platform. Uh, if you want to check out my artwork, that's T-E-A-C-E dot C-A because I'm in Canada. And the best ways to support me are by... Oh, there's a four in there. Uh, the best way to support me uh, is by either buying a t-shirt or giving me a, a donation, uh, buy me a coffee, stuff like that. The usuals that we're all up to in the alt media to try and keep our head above water because it's a really difficult job and we could most definitely use your help uh, because a lot of people out there in the world are pretty hostile to us and it's difficult to even post your stuff online anymore. So take the time uh, to check out what we got, dive into those references and help out whoever you can in whatever little way you're able. And that's yeah, dude. Okay. And, and, and this reminds me too, like what well, we talked about this a little bit the last time you were on when we were doing Truthzilla, but uh, you've got some short films that are just fantastic. Uh, first feature film. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Okay. Blindfold. I, I like, well, tell me about Blindfold. I love Blindfold, dude. Yeah. Blindfold is what I was first on the Corbett report for like over a decade now ago. And that's how I met Richard Grove, who's over at Tragedy and Hope. Um, and it's a, a film that I moved to New York to make, I went to film school in New York and it's based on a short story that I wrote. And it's the story of a preteen daughter who uh, has a 9-11 widower as a father. And she's starting to talk openly about 9-11 truth. And he thinks that that's her way of trying to focus on the loss of her mother when really it's just her trying to talk about what's actually important and what's actually happening. And even though it came out over a decade ago now, it's stood the test of time and it speaks very much to what we're going through right now fighting with our friends and family so if you want a nice narrative uh testimony to the difficulties that come with unveiling and discussing the truth that's a short film that i made to to allow us to kind of just step back and and uh share that experience with each other because sometimes just talking about the facts is so um so painful that it's it's really difficult for us to, uh, to digest. But if you put it in a narrative form, then people are able to kind of let that uh, chess off their chests and they're able to come together rather than be at war with each other. Perfect, man. I just love it so much, man. I just love everything you do. Uh, you're just like multi-talented, multifaceted, and just like you just inspired me tonight, you know, with this whole outreach thing, like in the streets. Like I, I thought we were going to have a different type of discussion about like 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 digital the digital outreach portion but man you got me really fired up for uh some real life real life stuff man on the street well, stuff so. if, if you're good at if you're good at meetups man that's a ridiculous talent that not enough yeah. people realize the need for because yeah. everybody kind of wants that but they don't have enough of a reminder and so it isn't just doing it it's continuing to do it and it's to understand yeah. that those incremental games that are not games those incremental gains that we're able to make reaching out to each other that's everything. So that's that's an invaluable skill set that you have. By all means, good sir, please put it to use. Awesome, man. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, and we'll have to catch you up soon. Good luck with episode eight. I can't wait to see what you come up with, man, and uh, just keep crushing, dude. Thanks for having me on, dude. Good talking as always. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.